Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for their fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Pirelli Scorpion Weather Active. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card... Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at First, first Listen. Listen. This season... We're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Carol G. Juan Gabriel. Christina Aguilera. What do these three have in common? You mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct. But most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Straight Fire. With Jason McIntyre. What is up, Straight Fire fam? It's me, Jason McIntyre. Straight Fire for Wednesday, September 14th, middle of the week. Uh, one of these rare Tuesday nights where there's no real sports on. And when I mean real, obviously I mean NFL, college football. But we had some interesting baseball. I, I'll, I'll bring up the uh, Aaron Judge stuff in a minute. There's a quick golf story to touch on. There is an NBA, kind of a, a, a hodgepodge here on hump day. Um, first of all, week one in the NFL in the books. I'm very excited for week two. Early in the season when I'm in the mix in the gambling contest, I'm in the mix for Survivor. Uh, I'm, I'm all over the fantasy waiver wire. It, like The NFL consumes so much time that I really tune out everything else. And next thing you know, you wake up and it's like, it was like eight o'clock last night. And I'm like, oh man, I'm going to bed. And then I realized I had like all this stuff to do on my to-do list. Yes, because to-do lists are a real thing. Um, but in non-NFL stories, and here's a couple fun ones. I don't know if you saw them this morning. Obviously, we'll start with live golf. And I know a lot of people don't care about golf and some people are going to hit the fast forward button. But I'll say this, the PGA versus Liv stuff is kind of fascinating, regardless of where you stand on golf. Liv announced on Tuesday that they will have a season-ending championship played in October in Miami, and 50 mil is on the line. 50 mil. 
That's like a headline-grabbing number for a golf tournament. So there's 12 four-man teams, and if you win it, you get 16 mil, so I guess four mil a pop. And there's uh, there's seeds, there's some teams get a buy, and I kind of did like this, okay? So they split up, the. there's a draft, and when they have the teams, the seeding is determined by a closest-to-the-pin shootout by the team captains. How awesome is that? Like, I kind of think that's made-for-TV stuff, is it not? Like, the NBA with the All-Star game has made it fascinating where they have the draft and, you know, somebody gets left last and then somebody doesn't want to play with Harden. Uh, LeBron has his issues with certain guys, so he just sidesteps them. They smirk about it. It's funny. It's like, not bad. It's good content. So now you've got a closest to the pin shootout among captains. Like, this is kind of awesome. I love this. Um, Live versus PGA really is fun. Now, even more fun than that. Surely some of you are in my age bracket, and you can remember Sosa McGuire. Uh, you can remember Bonds. You can remember epic home run summer dramas bleeding into the fall where guys are chasing records. Obviously, Bonds was memorable. Sosa McGuire was epic. And right now, Aaron Judd's, Judge is chasing the AL record set by Roger Maris in 1961. Judge, who's a lock for the MVP, right? there. I mean, there's no one else that could... No, come on. Aaron Judge hit two bombs in an awesome win over the Red Sox last night. He now has 57, okay? He has 20, I believe 20 games left to hit four more and tie Maris's mark, five to break it. And I don't know where you guys are on this, but I'm kind of down where every Aaron Judge at bat should be cut to by MLB Network, ESPN, Fox, anyone airing baseball, you should automatically cut to the Aaron Judge. Even if you got to put it in the box in the corner of the screen, chasing records is cool. And Aaron Judge is such a beast. It's pretty cool for baseball. It's a good story. Um, you know, there's other stuff happening in baseball where, you know, the as predicted by everyone, the Mets are slowly collapsing, right? The Padres continue to struggle. We're hurtling, hopefully, toward a Dodgers-Yankees World Series. But, like, the Braves are really, really chasing down the Mets. It, it, it's kind of fun, you know? You feel bad that Otani is not going to be in the postseason. Seattle is going to be there, which is kind of fun. It, and, you know, the the Red Sox are not going to be there, which I love. So, like, baseball's having a nice little run. The problem, of course, is, you know, we'll talk about it on Tuesday, Wednesday, and then Thursday comes in, it's like, oh, Chiefs Chargers. That's going to suck up all the oxygen in the room. Fantasy, gambling. Like, it's It's thrilling. And then Friday, you know, the weekend's here. And then Saturday, there's a couple good college football games. Not a great slate Saturday. BYU-Oregon's good. Uh, A&M-Miami is pretty good. But I'm not tuning in for Georgia versus South Carolina when the spread's 28. I'm, I'm just not. I can't. I'm sorry. Like, Saturdays, I got kids sports. You know, we got the dog now. And how tough is it? I know you guys can feel me. When the kids have sporting events and you got to bring the dog and they don't allow dogs at the field, so you kind of got to stand on the other side of the fence. You're not like in the mix with the parents and hanging out and shooting the bleep, you know? It's it's tough with the dog. It is. Some of these things have made tough. Now, Buddy, of course, you guys know he's not barking now, but Buddy is incredible. We love him. And uh, having a dog is a easy, super, super easy conversation starter. I'll say this. If I were to turn back the clock and when I was single in New York City, I would definitely have gotten a dog 
because it was so, I mean, like, listen, it was easy to meet girls back in, uh, in New York. And this is pre-social media when it wasn't all like wonky and crappy with the social media and the dating apps. This is before that. You like had to make an effort. I mean, if you had a dog, it was like a layup. Everybody loves dogs. I mean, it's so easy. All these, you know, moms and well, women in our neighborhood. Oh, buddy. Everybody knows buddy. He's just so friendly. And, um, I, it just, it makes life on the weekends a little tougher. And I'll say this Sunday was a tough go with NFL. Cause I don't know if you guys know this, if you don't have a dog, but you can't really freak out about, Oh my gosh, the Bengals kick is blocked. What the hell? I can't believe, you know, you're just going bonkers. And then Colts is in overtime and the games are just thrilling. And when you have that energy, the dog's like all excited. It's like, Oh, let's play. Let's play. And he starts barking and jumping around. I'm like, Buddy, can you, can you just chill? Can I enjoy the games? So, again, this is my first football season with Buddy. We got him the week after the NFC Championship game. So, this is his first official entrance into football. Now, the good news is I order pizza basically every Sunday. So, he smells it and gets the scraps. Uh, one final dog note. Only once did we make the mistake of leaving the pizza box on the kitchen table within Buddy's reach. As soon as everybody had left the table, he ripped the table off. I'm sorry, ripped the box off the table and just started going at the pizza. It's uh, dogs are the greatest. All right. Final note is uh, I'm not going to talk about the Robert Sarver stuff. It's gross. Uh, should he have been uh, made to sell the team? I, I mean, listen, it, it was bad. It's not a great look. Obviously, I, I don't know. I don't want to compare ugly stupidness among Sarver and that racist idiot from the Clippers. But I do feel like we need to quickly touch on this Brett Favre story. And I know Brett Favre's been retired for a decade. He's beloved in the heartland. He is Mr. Wrangler jeans. And he's, you know, you see him riding a lawnmower. It looks like he's built to ride a lawnmower. Like, that was just like, that's him. And then you read a story like what Brett Favre did in Mississippi, and you're like, ugh. This is like an awful human being. He's made millions upon millions of dollars. And that's not good enough because Brett Favre is now being accused in a bunch of lawsuits. And it's more than accusations. There's evidence, including text messages from Favre, where there was money designated for the poorest people in the state of Mississippi. And he essentially had those funds redirected so he could build a volleyball arena at the University of Southern Mississippi, where his daughter played volleyball. Okay, Brett Favre, multimillionaire, commercials, Super Bowls, MVPs, basically stole money that was supposed to be given to welfare recipients. And he was then getting it redirected to build his volleyball arena, and he wanted credit for that. And there's all this documentation that shows it. They're calling this the biggest public fraud case in the state history in Mississippi. And Brett Favre is being accused of this. Now, I don't know if this is going to end up being front page news. It's kind of still like a Mississippi heartland story. But with some of the stuff, like the text messages are out there from Favre saying, hey, is this going to end up in the media? And they were like, no, no, we'll take care of that. Of course, I mean, of course, it's all over the media um, because, you know, state employees can get what's called a Freedom of Information Act where all their emails are made public. And their text messages are now being made public. And somebody rolled over in the case because they knew they were going to jail. And now they're turning on everybody else. So they get their sentence lessened and Favre is, you know, 
coming out that he was he was like instrumental in this. It's not a good look for Brett Favre. Um, it's just it's an ugly story. You're probably not going to read it. You probably don't care. You're probably here for gambling. You're probably here for Jason. Should I pick up Gerald Everett in fantasy or Irv Smith? Like, what's the move? Like, I, we do a lot of that. We do. By the way, Gerald Everett is definitely the decision there. But sometimes you got to highlight these ugly, ugly stories. Brett Favre, like, he's not a hero, guys. Dude's, he's got some problems. Anyways, we have a special guest on today's podcast. If you notice, we've had a lot of DraftKings ads. DraftKings, a, f- a friend of the podcast now. And Mike Golick Jr., who does a podcast for DraftKings, NFL analyst. He does uh, radio college football games, played at Notre Dame. We'll bring him on. We have a great chat about Notre Dame's quarterback situation. We talk a little bit of college football and then a lot of NFL week two. So enjoy it. Mike Golick Jr. You know a guy. Jason likes to think he knows everything when it comes to sports. I know what sports fans want. But for everything he doesn't, he knows a guy who does. Let's just say I know a guy who knows a guy who knows another guy. All right, let's welcome into Straight Fire a special guest. He is an NFL draft analyst. He's with DraftKings. He played at Notre Dame. He was in the NFL. And uh, offensive line is probably the biggest story of week one in the NFL, outside of kickers. But let's welcome in Mike Golick Jr. Mike, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, Jason. Appreciate you having me, man. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Uh, obviously, listen, Notre. we can start with Notre Dame, which yeah. we'll get out of the way quickly. But uh just pretty devastating to, you know, the, the second half against Ohio State and then a complete no-show against Marshall. Now, first of all, did you go back to the game? I assume you go back to many games, right? So, at this point, it's tough now just because I've started calling a bunch of college football games. I was doing them for TV when I was still at ESPN. I now call right. college football radio games for Learfield, college football Saturday nights. You can check us out. We're uh, Washington hosting Michigan State this weekend. But Ooh. I um, I had to take this in. It made it even worse because – I'm watching this game and man, I grew up a huge Notre Dame fan. So I was the irrational kind of fan where if things went good and I was in the bathroom, I just stayed in the bathroom because I figured that was the way I could affect this. And I thought surely going and playing at Notre Dame and having a chance to impact the game might help that. I'm in Stillwater, Oklahoma, getting ready for my game. I got Notre Dame on the second screen. I'm watching Bama and Texas. I was like, this will be over soon. I had, I, you know, I was looking at Notre Dame minus 20 in that game. I thought done sign seal <laughs> delivered. Now, all of a sudden, that game goes the way it does, and I'm in the press box at uh, at Stillwater just sitting there trying to fake interest in these conversations I'm having with people while I am freaking out down the stretch of this game. So it was a rough one, man, to watch. It's been a rough start to the season, there's no doubt. But the number that everyone's fixated on right now with Notre Dame is what they keep flashing everywhere. Marcus Freeman, the first Notre Dame head coach to start his career 0-3. I mean, look at those three games. Lost the bowl game in the Fiesta Bowl with the team that he was taking over there for that month, going up against the Oklahoma State team that right now is ranked seventh or eighth in the country and had a better roster in that game. An Ohio State team in week one, they went on the road in a true road game. Week one, new quarterback, new coach, and a team that's probably going to be playing in the national championship against Bama or Georgia this year. And then, yeah, you absolutely cannot lose the game at home to Marshall. You stub your toe against a really good, you know, I say really good. They were a bowl team last year in the group of five, 
brought over a bunch of P5 transfers this year and gave you some things that you clearly at this point were not ready for. So mm. it's bad, but I dismissed the sky is falling notion of things around South Bend. It's going to be a tough year, but I tried to tell people, man, part of a new head coach is we did this for the ceiling. Marcus Freeman, the recruiter, all that stuff. You're going to have to take some lumps this season. I just didn't expect the lump to be yeah. here. So I, I have a couple Notre Dame buddies that I text about football, and your good friend Dane yeah. is one of them. And the instant reaction is that, well, this is going to be this is going to be a long year with this backup quarterback situation. I know nothing about this guy. I, you know, researched him a little bit. It, 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 what are we looking at, Mike? Three, four wins? Is is it that bleak? No, I think for Notre Dame now, as you kind of because I said you got to reset the the goals now if you're a Notre Dame fan, and for the team, it's the same thing every week. Like I know it's all the cliches, like you're worried about winning today, yada yada, but that stuff's true. It works. The best teams I were a part of. You just went and attacked each day. So the team's going to keep trying to do things up to their standard while the coaching staff tries to find some answers. But I, I think on the outside, this still has to be a bowl team. Like you still oh. have to be able to find a way to go and win six games because especially for for Marcus Freeman, first year as a head coach, he got those bowl practices last year with the team heading up to the Fiesta Bowl. You need those again. Those are super valuable just for him at the helm and, and all the things that we always hear about that. And, and just in general, I think this team still – you got pedigree. Like I, I was there when Brian Kelly took over my first two years at Notre Dame, me and Dane, we had Charlie Weiss as our head coach. He got fired my sophomore year. Brian Kelly took over for the next three. We didn't know the things that went into winning football. Like as far as what you have to do on a day-to-day -day basis as a program, these guys do with the exception of the freshmen on the roster. None of these guys have ever known anything other than double digit wins while they're while they've been on campus yeah. five straight double digit win seasons so i still think there's too much pride and too much experience and knowing how to win that phrase we hear all the time but that's just work habits right it's knowing the things it takes during the week to make good saturdays i still think they have enough of that and a quarterback who's got some moxie even if he's not going to be the most talented guy in the world where i think being a bowl team is still absolutely something that needs to be on the table for Notre Dame this year. So so let's just hypothetically go through it. Let's just say they're going to lose to BYU. They'll be double-digit dogs probably in that, right? Uh, Clemson, let's say that's a non-win, and USC, that's a non-win. So, so that would be five losses. Can you beat, I don't know how good Cal is, North Carolina plays no defense, Stanford, I mean, our, our UNLV is a win. How's that? We'll give you that. UNLV, but, I mean, yeah, UNLV, like the Stanford game is one that you should win. That's still a team that's struggling on defense, even if they've got a good quarterback on offense. Yeah. And the other thing I'll say, too, is I think a lot of the issues with Notre Dame right now are things that we saw that were issues for them last year. They just had a veteran quarterback. Jack Cohn came over from Wisconsin yeah. and was kind of between him and Brian Kelly, who whatever Notre Dame fans want to feel about Brian Kelly – he knows how to coach, and he had that thing up and running at a level that, yeah, maybe he felt like there was a ceiling on by the end, but we had gotten the floor to the place where you had 42 straight wins against unranked opponents. So that helped get us through what I think were similar issues on that Notre Dame roster last year that also got better as the season went along. The O-line that was an issue for them early in the season started to get to a more serviceable place by the end. And I think with the coaches they've got on staff there, you're going to see development. That needs to be the big word for Notre Dame right now for the rest of the season is now that the playoff hopes are, are gone. 
it's yeah. it's got to be about development. It's got to be making sure that we're maximizing everything we else we've got on this roster. When you've got some new voices that have been on the staff there, especially at the head coaching spot and this quarterback injury at the beginning of the season. So yeah. I think some of those games later in the season are going to look a lot better because this team has the pieces to be a lot better in ways that we're used to around South Bend. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. You put it off long enough, it's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort, performance tires for sporty handling, all-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Continental Tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you. Or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. Doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin to see their Continental test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews, and be sure to check out all their current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. 
and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. One last college football thing. Um, you have Well, two actually. You have Washington, Michigan State. I saw that Washington's favored in that game at home against a Sparty team that's, you know, ranked um, undefeated. Uh, did that line surprise you at all, or are you not allowed to talk about games you're calling? Uh, I mean, I'm not allowed to make picks on games that I'm calling, but I'll say this. Like, Kalen DeBoer's definitely come over and made offense fun already. You know, Michael Penix Jr. coming in, a guy who's played plenty of big-time football in Indiana, certainly helps out with that cause. And I think for Michigan State on the other side, it's just really for both of them about the level of competition you faced up until now. They both come in 2-0. They've been able to put up some big points in these games. But um, I, I think it's just a bit of the unknown and giving some deference to a quarterback who's got – or excuse me, a head coach now at Washington who's got great offensive pedigree going back to a couple of stops uh, along the way, but most recently at Fresno State – and what they have with a veteran quarterback in that side. Because we know Mel Tucker is going to have them ready. What they've done on offense there in East Lansing since he got to that team has been super noteworthy, and we saw the highest end of last year with Kenneth Walker. But, no, I'm not surprised. It's also like the beginning of college football season. We don't really know a ton about these teams. We've been a lot, seen a lot of FCS and low-level competition for most teams going into the beginning of the season. So this is a good first real test for both these guys. The other one, um, and again, listen, I'm not expecting you to bash the guy, but Brian Kelly seems to be a punching bag around college football now. And you hear stories about how he's just a massive jerk to players. Uh, and listen, everybody will say, well, Nick Saban's an, Nick Saban's an asshole too. And it's like, I don't know that Nick Saban's an asshole to players. The way I've heard Brian Kelly is a jerk. Uh, what was your experience like with him? So I'd say this with Brian, and I think the – People are always going to have a lot of opinions about him. One, because he was the guy that was the head coach at Notre Dame for a long time. So a lot of attention on you. You had all the weird offseason videos this year, the recruiting videos with him dancing <laughs> with guys. Weird. Like you, yeah, you had a bunch of weird stuff that happened. And he's definitely not a culture fit down in Louisiana. But with this new administration, what Scott Woodard was looking to do, he's what they wanted. They wanted that, you know, some people call it the country club hire. I say they wanted a CEO down there because they had the total opposite. Like Edo was going to be hand in the dirt with you in the D-line practice with those guys. Connection. He feels very quintessentially Louisiana. Brian's the opposite, where you might not have as much one-on-one -on -one time with your head coach. Like, Brian Kelly is very much the CEO, where he's not going to be down in the locker room all the time or at workouts all the time, but he's going to come in and get you the things logistically that help make a program go. Make sure that everything's running the right way around training table, the amenities, 
all the things that also are really well done at LSU right now. And so in the meantime, yeah, there's going to be some bumps early on. This roster's in a tough place. But again, the thing I'll always say for Brian Kelly is he understands where his feet are. Whatever you think of him personality-wise, as far as how he runs a program, he's going to figure out very quickly. What are the resources we have available to us? What are our strengths as a roster of what we can recruit? Because that's what he did well at Notre Dame. Hey, Marquis Skill Talent isn't always coming here, but man, we can recruit OD line and tight end. We can get those like it's going out of style. Now at LSU, it's going to be, all right, the offensive line's not where we want, but Keishon Butte might be the best receiver in college football. We get guys like that all the time at LSU. For him and Mike Dembrock, their offensive coordinator, how that stuff morphs, the personality stuff, people can feel how they want about a guy. It's ultimately decided by what you do on the field. And I think for LSU fans who have some worry about how this is going to go, the offensive line's an issue, and we knew that coming into this season. It's going to be how does Brian Kelly manage the other things, and how can Brian Kelly go about making people feel? I was talking with someone about this the other day. How can he go about making people feel? Bumani Jones actually said this to me. Making people feel good even if things aren't going well in the beginning portion of this. Brian Kelly had a lot of practice with that at Notre Dame when he first got there, having to go out and really always be cognizant of the fans, the media, all these things that aren't football in college football. He's going to be able to handle that stuff, I think, as time goes along here at LSU, even if the start's been a little rockier than some expected. All right, uh, Mike, let's go to the NFL. And I don't know how you did in week one. I, I was good picking games. The teasers killed me because I just thought like the uh, good teams would prevail, but I like the underdogs, like Cincinnati with that choke job. The Colts can't get the W. Uh, so, some surprises. Do you think we see um, the continued uh, expectations met in week two with favorites mostly winning but underdogs showing up, or are we going to see – Teams like the Rams, uh, teams like the Packers actually play football, whereas they look like garbage in week one. Well, I think some of it, too, with them is the level of competition and just the circumstances, right? Because for a lot of the NFC teams up top, you didn't see it exposed with Tampa because Dallas was going through hell on their own sideline that they had to work out. But we know about the injuries on that roster. We know about the turnover on the offensive line on the Rams roster and some of the changes in the wideout room. And the opponent they were facing. The Bills are the best team in football right now. So that was going to flush the pipes for the Green Bay Packers. Most of the cavalry is still on the sideline right now. David Bakhtiari yeah. was inactive. Elton Jenkins wasn't out there. Alan Lazard wasn't available in week one. So Aaron Rodgers is looking around at a bunch of young receivers who are talented. We all think Romeo Dobbs is going to do really well. Christian Watson is a big, rangy athlete that they tend to like in that receiver room. It's just all the guys that he was used to relying on are either in Las Vegas now or on the sideline still injured. So I think a lot of that will hold up in the early portion. We know post-2011 CBA in the NFL, the first four weeks are kind of an extended preseason. We don't see, especially for a lot of the teams that don't play their starters in the preseason, I think they account for, hey, there's going to be a little bit of this. We got 17 games now, so we're more willing to have a time of year where, yeah, underdogs got much more of a shot right now because even the contenders and the ones who have definitely lived lifted the trophy before understand that right now you're not really going to lose your season at this point in time if you believe you've got a winnable division and you believe you can get healthy and have a quarterback that's going to help you weather it the, the offensive lines have been really really struggling obviously the Packers had injuries but specifically Burrow got drilled again and that's a Bengals team that invested heavily uh, Mike in your experiences um I watched Lyle Collins just get beat like a turnstile repeatedly by TJ Watt. Now I know he gets going against a great guy in Watt. That being said, like when you're on the line next to a guy like Collins who's just getting 
beating like a drum. I'm just take me back to your experience. What can you say to a guy like Collins? Because a coach ain't yanking him, right? Um, is anything said like, dude, come on, get a grip? Or is he saying, give me help? Like, what what happens in that scenario? Uh, you have really honest conversations. Again, the best teams <laughs> I've been on, you just have to understand at some point. All right, if if it's not someone's day, and if it's TJ bleeping, why? Like, it you is, also yeah. go into the game circling that guy and saying, all right, if you're the Cincinnati Bengals, who brought in four new offensive line starters between free agency and draft pick. That's a hard thing to expect to go out and perform week one, even if we're saying the parts are automatically better than what they had last year in a group that gave up 70 sacks over the course of a season. (laughs) Offensive line, especially the way that they want to play it, where with Joe Burrow, what does he like going back to LSU that they've done so well there? A lot of spread out formations, four and five wide receivers, five and six man protections, which means a lot of times you're on an island or you're operating in tandem with someone in a lot of space. And that makes life tough on an offensive line where these guys aren't yet used to how they communicate with each other on a down in and down out basis. And so what you're going over to the sideline is saying like, Hey, this is the adjustment. I think we got to make this guy's giving me some trouble out here. This is how he's beating me here. If he's beating me outside, can we send a running back there and chip him on the way out? If that's something I like as an offensive tackle, can we maybe try and slide protection more that way if they're not blitzing a ton so that I've got a guard that's coming out to help me? Or I know I've got the center sliding my way so I can focus on one thing a little bit more while I'm getting a lot from a really talented rusher around the league. And so our conversations on the sideline as an offensive line were always solution oriented. Let's be brutally honest about what we see and what's happening. And then let's try and figure out not what we're going to do for the whole season. Cause I think over a long run, well, Collins is going to be a guy that they're able to count on here. He played really good football for the Dallas Cowboys, but in this game right now for a Steelers defense that definitely looks rejuvenated, what do we need to fix it today? Because the old line is always, High school football, you wait to watch the film and you fix it next week. College football, you wait till we get to halftime and you make the adjustment and fix it in the second half. The NFL, it's got to happen on the sideline in between series because that's how fast this league moves. I just wonder, though, are are other guys on the line looking at Collins and saying, dude, we gave you $21 million to come here and help us and you're doing nothing? Like he, I mean, again, it was T.J. Watt, but you look at the the rookie on Carolina, Aquanu, who's going to be very good, right? Yeah. And Miles Garrett just abused him. Yeah. I think Pro Football Focus had him as like the worst uh, offensive lineman uh, in the league in Week One. And, and the Raiders, who are just like trying guys over and over, Khalil Max destroying. Is there a re? I don't remember offensive lines crumbling like this that badly in week one so the thing about o-line now especially and i keep mentioning that post 2011 cba because it changed all the practice rules in the Mm. offseason and it changed two a days in training camp how often you could have guys in pads o-line's the most unnatural position on the field i'll say o-line defensive back i always say dbs are just the o-line's little brothers same basic principle where you got a unit that has to operate together that's predicated on uh intense communication and has to backpedal and do a bunch of unnatural stuff against some of the best athletes in the world. D lineman, you're putting a hand on the ground and running forward and hitting somebody (laughs) offensive line. You have got to squat down, push yourself back and then try and put hands on a guy. That's one of the best athletes on the world. That requires a lot of time and repetition. And that's something you don't have as much of now in the NFL off season with a chance to develop these guys, which means that kind of has to happen at full speed in the early going here. And you have to learn those things through live reps now 
in modern football more so than ever. And so I think that's why early in the season, you'll see a lot of offensive lines, especially ones that have new parts, struggle a little bit more they did in the past. You look up at the end of almost any season, and the offensive lines and the teams that are in Super Bowl contention are usually ones where offensive lines haven't been injured over the course of the season, and you've had time to build up that continuity and have the same group on the field together over the course of 16, now 17 games. Um, let's look at week two games that are of interest to you. I'm sure DraftKings would love us to talk about the lines. Mike, I, I know people are all in on the Dolphins and two and on and all this nonsense. I'm sorry. I can't wait to bet the Ravens this weekend. All I mean, everybody loves Miami. They beat a bad Patriots team. Um, now Tua has to go on the road. And remember, they smoked the Ravens last year on Thursday night football. It was a tough spot for Baltimore. If I recall coming off like a rivalry game. And Miami got him. I feel like there's going to be revenge. Uh, any read on Dolphins Ravens this weekend? Yeah, I mean, I'd be leaning Ravens as well. I think Lamar Jackson. You saw a lot of the things that people wanted. Maybe the passing numbers overall weren't super gaudy, but some impressive throws there. Getting the ball to Duvernay. This wide receiver room that we've had a lot of questions about over recent years. I will say in the Dolphins' favor, I liked the plan that they approached the game with. I was just talking to Dan Orlovsky about this. There's some things, especially in the bootleg passing game, that he mentioned he wants to see them get better at. But Mike McDaniel and that group went in off at this offseason and upgraded a lot of key areas around Tua that he needed help with. Offensive line, they brought in Teron Armstead. We know about Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, and speed, speed, speed. Raheem Mostert in the backfield. Mike McDaniel's trying to make this look like San Francisco East. And through one game, that definitely showed up. They had a plan to maximize what Tua was going to be able to do well. Now, if you can't consistently go and get it downfield all the time, there were a couple of balls that Tyreek Hill was able to go and make yards after the catch on. But I don't know if there was much 20-plus down the field. If you can't do that, now all of a sudden this Ravens team can cue in a little bit. And Lamar's definitely built to stress your defense a lot more than Mac Jones and that Patriots offense were. So, again, I'd lead Ravens, but I like the direction Miami's going in. They look like the team that's going to finish second in the AFC East this year. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. You put it off long enough, it's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort, performance tires for sporty handling, all-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Bridgestone tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you. Or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. Doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin to see their Bridgestone, test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews, and be sure to check out all their current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick 
and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. We had zero double-digit spreads in week one, and Mike, I'm seeing four right now. Packers by 10 over the Bears, Denver 10 over the Texans, that seems high, and Niners 10, and then Rams 10 and a half. Um, You know, historically, you know, you're not going to make money long-term betting against uh, or betting on double-digit favorites, but are any of those, uh, you know, games that you would jump on? So the one that's probably going to be most interesting to me is what Denver does coming off this one because everyone's going to look at that Sunday night loss and the final sequence of that game and go, what did we just watch? It looks like Nathaniel Hackett and company had did not didn't have a plan, but just had a plan that seems indefensible the way that we watched it play out. That being said, you look around the rest of the game, 
They had a ton of yards. They moved the ball really well, not even between the 20s, between the hundreds. It was that last yard or two that was their undoing. And so when you examine some of those finer moments, like, all right, we need to have a better plan inside the red zone. Goal to go situations, what we had dialed up just wasn't it. And we gave Seattle opportunities to go and make big plays. And then the end of game sequence, turning over sloppy penalties. Those are all, I think, a lot more correctable mistakes than saying, well, we just don't have the personnel to do something. No, Cortland Sutton was moving down the field, getting the ball. They were able to get it to Albert Okwabenum and the other tight end in that room early and often in this game. And so Houston came out and surprised a Colts team that also has a bunch of different things going on and struggled to protect Matt Ryan. I think this Denver team's still going to be really good. I still would imagine them as a wild card playoff team in the AFC. And I just wonder if we're going to focus too much as a betting public on what they did at the end of that game and in a couple critical moments and forget that they're still a really talented football team that showed up in the middle of that. Same with the Colts, right? I mean, you see the Colts score, you're like, oh my gosh, they're getting killed the entire game and they tie in overtime. I mean, they had 500 yards of offense and moved up and down the field, kept getting inside the 30, just could not convert a comedy of errors. Um, you like the Colts this weekend against the Jags or or, or are you with the the Jacksonville crowd there? No, I'd take the Colts in that one too. I think for the Jags, there's still some stuff foundationally on that offense between some of the spacing and communication at wide receiver and, you know, Trevor Lawrence getting back to the point now where he can be coached like an NFL player. That's going to be really tough. So I take Indianapolis there. I picked them to win the South this year. So that was a shot of cold water in the yeah. opening week. You don't expect them to have struggles on the offensive line. I think that's software I've got to update because for so long, it was Ryan Kelly, Quentin Nelson, that whole group there, Braden Smith, they're going to be good to go. And there's adjustment being made there as well. I know the other one you mentioned too, Chicago and Green Bay. Fascinated to see what Green Bay does in week two and what Chicago does on a track that's not soaking wet, right? Like, yes, yes. Perfect storm, you know, pun fully intended going into that game for Justin Fields to sit back there and make it backyard football and give him credit, found a way to make plays on the same field the 49ers were playing on. But that's a team that we really have questions in that game and all preseason on what they were going to be able to do protecting Justin Fields behind that offensive line and a Green Bay defense that got really, I think, a ton thrown at him in week one by Kevin O'Connell and that Vikings offense now. Justin Jefferson's all over the field. They're moving and booting Kirk Cousins. It's the offense that's become so popular around the NFL now. Chicago's not going to be able to execute on that level. And I wonder if week two, that Green Bay defense that I was going into the season saying could be a top five defense in the league based on the personnel you've got in the secondary and what they've gone up. I'd expect that unit to show up a lot more and then maybe give those young receivers who are going to get their ass chewed all week by Aaron Rodgers a few more opportunities to show up and affect that game. I missed a double-digit favorite, Mike, somehow. Uh, DraftKings has Buffalo favored by 10 against the Titans. Now, that's another rematch from last year. I lost. I remember it because I lost money on the Bills. Uh, Derrick Henry had a monster uh, finish there, and, and Tennessee pulled the upset. I think it was on uh, Monday Night Football yep. maybe, but um, yep. now they do it Monday again. Buffalo 10-point favorites. I, I think everybody would agree Buffalo looked like the most impressive team in Week 1, um, outside of the Chiefs maybe, but Buffalo favored by 10 against Tennessee. That will, anything there that will make sense that will yeah make, that will makes a lot of sense like and if you're buffalo i think you're looking even more and going all right brian dable is a guy that we know really well we know how he operates and is probably going to do a lot of similar things 
And that team was able to go and get one over being aggressive, getting praise in critical moments. Obviously, Saquon Barkley having a renaissance game was huge for them. But if I'm Buffalo looking at that, I'm going, all right, show me where on the doll the Giants are better at any position than Buffalo is right now. That seems just like a team on a mission. The execution from day one, we talk about teams kind of showing up behind the eight ball in certain spots. Buffalo didn't miss. Von Miller came over and did exactly what they thought they were paying him to do in helping elevate that D-line room by being the tip of the spear and being the one guy defenses can't account for. I think you saw that Tennessee offensive line have some issues blocking up the Giants in week one. And if that was something there, excuse me, Buffalo's D-line not only has that top end, but they can just roll bodies through at you. So, yeah, I, I, I totally understand that one. It might be a little bit of week one overreaction, but I, I still think what we've seen, that Buffalo team is going to be a cut above the rest of everybody in the AFC for a lot of this season, maybe outside of the Chiefs. And we could wrap up with the great Thursday night football game, Chargers-Chiefs. Now, historically, these have been tremendous games. I didn't even realize until today that th- this game is only available on streaming, yep. uh, Amazon Prime. And I don't know, Chargers look pretty good against the Raiders, but the no Keenan Allen and... You know, again, it's easy to throw to a bunch of random dudes, Xander Horvath, whoever that is, um, against Raiders who have no defense. But the Chiefs actually looked like competent defensively. I don't know any lean on this in this one. I would lean Kansas City just because it seems like this offense is back to a really, really deadly place. Now, for the Chargers, the one thing that you can point to is you had six sacks in this game. That investment you made in Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa paid off instantly for you but that's against a Raiders team who like we talked about working some things out up front of the O-line the Chiefs did the the dirty work on that last year now we'll see what happens I think Trey Smith went off in this game at guard who was sensational for them as a rookie last year but for the most part you remade that whole offensive line last year you took those lumps getting those guys up to speed with Creed Humphrey playing center who was also a rookie and now you're at a point where you can look at that as a part of the team that you can count on and you've got Patrick Mahomes in this offense with a little bit of the Ewing theory stuff going on, right? Tyreek <laughs> Hill not drawing all of that attention anymore, but you got a bunch of really scheme versatile parts now. We've seen them use bigger personnel on the field more often. Juju Smith-Schuster is a fascinating sort of like big slot look at times for them. You've got guys that can burn in sky more. So I just think it's it's sort of like rush hour where you're you're looking around and going, who kicked me? Like, which which one of y'all kicked me? That's where the Chiefs offense is at at this point. Justin Herbert is in that rare tier of quarterbacks. But like you mentioned, Keenan Allen injury going into that game and just what the Chiefs have been able to do now defensively. We didn't even get to that in talking about this. I I would lean their way, especially this early in the season. I I don't know. The the whole rivalry thing. Every time I look at these two play, it's like a one-score game. And it comes – last year they had the great overtime game that the Chargers totally blew – um, and I think two years ago, the Chargers should have beat them as well. It's just such a tough read because I actually think Herbert's like approaching Mahomes level. I know he doesn't yes. have the credentials, but the way he makes it look so easy in the pocket and effortless, I really think he's like as close to Mahomes and Josh Allen as anybody else in the league. Oh, I, I completely agree. And I, I was talking to Dan Orlovsky about this for my podcast. I've talked with Nate Tice about this, who does a great job over at The Athletic. Like the guys who just sit here and shoot quarterback directly into their neck all day. And they're all saying, yeah, Herbert's the one. I mean, Nate called him the second best quarterback in the NFL behind Mahomes right now. And you can see it the way he processes the game physically, the gifts that he has 
all of it's been put on display very early. And now you're at a Chargers team that started to invest in the one area that always hamstrung those Phillip Rivers team. It was a revolving door at offensive lines. Injury, lack of production, all this stuff. You go and grab Rashawn Slater last year. You go and grab Zion Johnson this year and put him at guard. And you're starting to see between that, I think they brought Matt Filer over from Pittsburgh too. There's yep. guys in there that can actually go and give him time now. Justin Herbert did a lot of great stuff last year with people around his feet making extra effort plays. If you keep seeing him have the opportunity to move around and slide in the pocket and not have to take off as much, I think we're going to keep seeing him ascend to that plane that you just talked about. Yeah. All right. Uh, Mike Golick Jr. He does, so what don't you do, Mike? You uh, call college football games, podcast, uh, gambling, former athlete, like you kind of like a five tool guy, huh? Yeah, I, I don't date very well. I think that would be the criticism for my mother and my family. So that would probably uh, be the only thing. Yeah, but you're young. What are you, what are you, 30? I'll be 33 at the end of this month. So yeah, I dude, listen, I agree. I don't have any issue with it, but I'm the only, so I'm the oldest of three siblings. My younger brother's a year and a half younger. He's about six years married, just had his first kid. And my oh. sister's five years younger than me, just got married this April. So mom and dad uh. got it done with everybody else. And which means their gaze, it's like Sauron's <laughs> eye and Lord of the Rings. It's just turning and looking at me nonstop now. Oh, they're just waiting for you. Yeah. Well, uh, listen, tell them I got a long life ahead of me. What's the rush? Uh, but uh, yeah, Mike, congrats on all your success and DraftKings as well. Uh, and we'll talk to you soon. Appreciate it, Jason. Thanks for having me, man. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see See what music does to people. It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Carol G. Juan Gabriel. Christina Aguilera. What do these three have in common? You mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct. But most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. 
Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.